What's going on, everybody? I am Jan Banks, and you are tuned into Urban Alchemy Podcast, brought to you by the Pitch Podcast Network. Hope you all are doing great out there today on this fine, beautiful Monday we are having. Uh, so we are back. We had a bit of a hiatus. I dropped an episode yesterday, kind of going through what that break was all about. But we are back at it. Year two of Urban Alchemy Podcast. We are here, my, my co-host, my best friend, my day one guy over here, Eric Hawthorne. Hey, everyone. That's right. Uh, we have made it one full year. Uh, I believe it was last week. It was our one year anniversary since we relaunched under the Urban Alchemy banner. Uh, can you believe it's been one year already since the relaunch? Actually, I thought it was longer than that, but hey, yeah, congrats to us. <laughs> yes, we made it a year. We've done a lot in this year. Yes, we have. A whole lot. Uh, I won't say the most out of every podcast in Kansas City, right. but we have done the most than every other podcast in Kansas City. We've done tremendous things, articles, news stories. It's been crazy. Uh, but thank you so much to all of our listeners out there, our day one listeners, our new listeners, everybody who supports on social media, everybody who listens to our episodes every week, everybody who contributes music. And yeah, we appreciate you guys. We definitely need you guys to keep going. And we are looking forward to doing our best for year two. We're going to do new things. We're going to hear some suggestions and get into what you guys maybe want to hear some more. But I'm super excited. What better way to kick off our return? Uh, what better movie to kick this off with than the 2021 Candyman uh, sequel or spiritual sequel, I suppose they, they are calling it. You know what? Let's just get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> There's no need to preface anything. Let's just go ahead and get into it. Well, I did want to preface okay, first. Okay. Uh, this the impact of the original Candyman. Not, not only on myself, because that's the first horror movie that ever legitimately terrified the bejesus out of me. Like, it, it, it altered my life for a short period of time. I'm like, I can't go to the bathroom at night. Like, I can't sit by a mirror because i feel like i'm gonna turn around and see his face so that that you know the impact of that and then when i got older i appreciated it so much just for having that uh power to to elicit such an emotional response mm -hmm. and then as i got older i really figured out the themes that that made me feel that way like what scared me about this and a lot of it was just how it changed the tone of supernatural slashers like okay. we never had a sophisticated uh, horror villain like that like Freddy Krueger is very crude uh, Jason was simple uh, Michael Myers was a mute like you didn't really have character uh, Freddy Krueger had character but it wasn't a profound Shakespearean mm -hmm. uh, refined gentleman like you got with Tony Todd's <laughs> definitely not no I mean but it was so different to see especially a black man at that time play a character like you wouldn't expect you know you would if you heard of a, of a story from the 1990s like oh it's a movie about a black guy with the hook who's hunting a white woman you wouldn't have picked this you know uh classically tra tra shakespearean tra trained actor which is tony todd mm -hmm. uh with this uh, incredible baritone voice and it just feels like he's whispering in your ear every time he talks and it's just the ambience of it all. It starts off as a uh, kind of a psychological thriller. And then the second part moves into the supernatural more. But it's just an incredible movie. To me, it's almost the perfect horror movie. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts about the original? Okay, so the original uh, has a special place in my heart. And I think it has a special place in a lot of people's hearts. It is a classic. 
uh, Candyman is in the ep- uh, echelon of Jason, Freddy Krueger, um, and all the other horror greats, like you said, Mike Hellraiser. Yeah, Hellraiser, Michael Myers. Face but on. he's a bit more nuanced. Yeah. Uh, has a very sympathetic backstory. Uh, he's an imposing threat. Um, somebody that you definitely don't want to uh, summon. He's not to be trifled with. Right. Uh, as a kid, he terrified me. I, my fondest Candyman movie is when, I mean, my fondest Candyman memory is when I was on a trip with my cousins in St. Louis. And we were all sitting there, just kids in the room. Parents were out kicking it. And we were watching the film. And, you know, we were trying to summon him at the same time. And my little cousin at the time, he's like 28 now. But at the time, he was probably like five or six. And he was like, what's about to happen, y'all? What's about to happen? Like, it, it was just that tense of a moment in the room. And, like, he was somebody to be feared because Tony Todd brought such an excellent performance and such an imposing performance uh, to a horror character. And one of the interesting things about Candyman is, like I said, he's nuanced. You can feel sympathy for him. You don't feel sympathy for uh, Freddy Krueger. You know, he burned in a house, but that's so generic. Jason drowned. Drowned. You don't really feel anything for Jason or whatever. But you look at uh, Candyman's backstory like, man, this is horrific. He was this well-to-do artist commissioned to uh, paint extravagant, beautiful portraits. And he fell in love with somebody. They had an affair. And ultimately, a child was birthed from that. And then that ended his life. So, you know, that is a story that we've heard before throughout the annals of history. Drenched in fact. Yeah. So... That you know, that's kind of what I think of Candyman. That's my idea of Candyman. It has a very special place in my heart uh, from a nostalgic uh, perspective, as well as something that I can uh, not necessarily um, identify with, but understand because this is the Emmett Till story. This is a story that has been going on for years and years and that does come into play in the current film yeah, yeah definitely uh it is a story uh it, it's like like the original it, it 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 is set in uh historical racism right and it builds on uh economic racism mm-hmm. and, and social socioeconomic racism uh institutionalized racism i guess mm-hmm. you would call it now uh but yeah it, it did a fantastic job of building these layers these like you said it's nuanced it's very nuanced and it's just such a beautifully made movie the way they captured everything from the horrors of caprini green take the boogeyman out of the situation that's a scary ass place like i remember having a panic attack as a kid seeing these two women (laughs) walking to the to the projects like i I grew up in the project so i'm like yo if that ever happened here i'd be like run go the other way but caprini (laughs) green was almost a uh, urban legend in itself right. like snipers on the roof like people knew like one way in one way out like these are things that, that trans like uh, my mom spent some time in st louis and st louis and illinois right by so she interacted with a lot of people from uh chicago uh, who would come to st louis and they would all say friend green you don't go there uh please don't even go there but uh the way they were able to make Caprini green almost a character in the movie uh mm-hmm. not just a, a 
a location? Yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. one of the things that you know I've been thinking about once I watched this new film that I was disappointed in. You don't get to know the people of Capri Green. You don't get to see the residents. Even in the flashback scene, it's just basically uh, Burke as a child, Sherman, his sister to so some degree but you ha- but you have to like google to see if who that girl was in yeah, the yeah, flashback yeah. um so i don't think the film did a good job at that as opposed to the original uh, making caprini green a living breathing place but then again that may not have been the director's intent no me and costa so let's go into it um this film i feel like uh, this has got in the hands of somebody who said, okay, the original story is kind of problematic. This, you know, black man who's just obsessed with this white woman. Mm-hmm. And then they were just like, what else can we, because uh... it's not about the traditional tones of a black man who fell in love with a white woman. That, that whole narrative is pretty much thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned, but it's not a, a mainstay of the story. Like, you right. know, this whole first movie was about him tracking down Helen. And we find out Helen's the reincarnation of the white woman he fell in love with, or Caroline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, it makes sense. But in this one, it's more along the line. Let's just go through the plot first. Uh, so this one is, of course, directed and written by Neil Costa, produced by Jordan Peele, also co-written by Jordan Peele. Right, play, which is interesting. Which I can't wait to read, like I said, because uh, I think there's going to be some huge missing pieces, uh, just like with the Django Unchained screenplay. Or, yeah. But uh, yeah, this, it's, it, like we said, the film opens with a flashback of the 1970 Caprini Greens. Uh, and, you know, before they were the crime-ridden, you know, uh, visage we, we know for modern day, they were you know, housing projects for right. well-to-do black people or middle-class black people. And we get the flashback of the character Burke, um, played by the new uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he did... Uh, he did a good job. I will say this about the film. 90% good job. Every, well, I'm, I'm going to say this. Everybody in this film does a good job in terms oh, of yeah. acting. The, the, the problem is not acting. Uh, but um, so we go from him as a child basically seeing a, a guy who is known around the neighborhood, but he's wanted for a crime uh, in particular putting razor blades in people's candies. Yeah. Uh, candy, I said candies. But um, that actually is not true because once, are we doing spoilers or are we not doing spoilers? We are going to do spoilers, uh, but let's go through the broad strokes. Okay, first. let's, yeah, I, I just I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so go ahead. So, yeah, it starts with that flashback. He, he comes in contact, you get the sense, which I don't think they establish very well. Like we know through the, the, the trailers, mm-hmm. this information that, uh, their razor blades popped up in candy. They were looking for this guy, Sherman. But they don't explain that to you at all. Like, So if you were just going into this, you'd be like, why is this guy in the wall right, offering but... candy? But it, it opens with that establishing shot he's going. And I also think it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, he meets Sherman doing the laundry, ends up mm-hmm. owning a laundromat. Right. Uh, you know, so you get the kind of sense that it, it had an effect on him or something. Maybe mm-hmm. that was his... Uh, but no, it, it's it's a great scene. I do like that opening scene where it uh, has the old time timer light that they used to have. That gave you like a minute. Yeah. Scr- but yeah, it timed it so as soon as that light went off, you see the reflection through the hole right. in the mirror. I love that shot. 
Uh, and they do great work with reflections. The opening establishing shot with the credits. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's one of the best reflective shots I've seen in a movie. Artistically, this movie is astounding. Visually stunning. Beautiful. We can, we can tell Neil DaCosta has an eye for cinematics. Yeah. Whoever uh, her cinematographer. cinematographer is just amazing. I think the only other cinematographer that I've really enjoyed is uh, Wally uh, Feister. He does a lot of Christopher Nolan films, and Christopher Nolan films look great, but this is on another level yeah. with such a small budget of $25 million. Beautiful shot. Um, but yeah, uh, so we, we leap frog in time. So pretty much the man comes, Sherman Fields, uh, the man the cops are looking for, uh, comes through the water, offer him candy. The boy freaks out because right. this man just popped the fuck out the wall with a hook, uh, with a prosthetic hook on his mm -hmm. hand. Uh, and he screams, which alerts the police, and then we cut away to the present time. We're introduced to the, uh, I actually forget the name of the brother, but... Uh, it's the brother and his boyfriend. Oh, who, Troy. I Troy. believe Troy. Yeah, that's right. Troy and his boyfriend, who's meeting his sister, Brianna, and her boyfriend, Anthony, for the first time. Mm -hmm. They're introducing uh, the boyfriend to them for the first time. And in the course of this meeting, he tells them the legend of Helen Lau, mm -hmm. who is this uh, woman. And it's it's also interesting uh, how they tell the story. They, they pretty much play the telephone game. Like, uh, they distort the story to make it sound like she was a crazy person. Right. You know, she cut the head off rock while she was doing, I love that that line that she was doing, Snow, Snow Angels, Angels and Blood. And, blood. and I yeah. always thought that when I watched the movie, like she was you know, she's doing that on the floor, like she looks like she's doing Snow Angels. Right. But, uh, and, you know, they made it seem like she's a crazy person when all actuality, you know, she was the hero of the story. Uh, and I love the shadow puppet stuff. Yeah, that was really cool. Very creative. And Very creative. Run of the mill flashback. Yeah, I actually... I actually prefer the shadow puppets because I think it adds an additional layer of artistry to the film and makes it really creepy, creepy daunting, but so it just pulls you in. Absolutely. It captures your attention. Yeah, it, it's very, because you don't think of a puppet show as something that's frightening. Right. But when you look, you know, it's something about seeing those grisly scenes acted out, mm -hmm. uh, like lynchings, uh, that it's, it's, it's it's macabre, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, it, it's. I love those uh, transitional flashbacks done through puppetry. And, 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 um, then you know, Anthony hears that story. It kind of gives him uh, a glimmer of idea to you know mm -hmm. let, let's let's do uh, let's let's do some research on that. Yeah, because he is essentially an artist who hasn't had a break in a couple of years. He hasn't really created anything. He keeps recreating his old work, right? Essentially, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the curator of the uh, art institute that he's at is just like you're just doing the old stuff. He's like, I want to see something new. And so Anthony has to be reinvigorated. He he thinks about the legend of Candyman. And so that's when he starts to do his research. And that's when he starts to inquire by going to Caprini Green to understand what the true story is. Yeah. And that's when he meets Burke and Burke basically tells him, you know, about Sherman. One thing I don't I, I wish they would have played up more is the opportunistic virtue within Anthony. Mm -hmm. He's not doing this because it's like, oh, this is a story that needs to be told. He's doing it because he's dry. He's he's flat out of new ideas. Like 
and he comes up with that idea in a last ditch attempt to impress this white curator yeah he's like you know the ghetto and you know projects and cabrini green and all these uh you know words that light up you mm-hmm. know the white psyche it's just like, oh poverty oh yes uh the ghetto yes let's see that and the roots <laughs> but you know initially i thought nia da costa did an excellent job when they had that initial meeting with troy's boyfriend uh anthony and brianna because remember you know he was talk- they were talking about gentrification etc cetera, etc cetera. um talking about opera opportunity and they move the the hood out and then they bring in the rich people and he's just like yeah kind of like this. like here <laughs> and then everybody got quiet and that was in that in that moment the boyfriend ethered all of them yeah it was like oh shit we are the interlopers as well but that's that that's dropped completely yeah that 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 was really interesting i thought um and that was a good way of i think good way of injecting social commentary into the film and was very thought-provoking that's what you call light-handed light-handed but then it gets very heavy-handed oh my god the hand is made of lead it's a hook it's not even a hand anymore (laughs) it's a steel hook that is heavy yeah you're absolutely right uh those were light touches Uh, i I enjoy those Or, or even the art critic when she makes the comment about the artists being the vultures who descend on these areas to pretty much start the gentrification right. because they want cheap rent so they don't have to get real jobs so they right. can you know diddle that all around with art and, and you know maintain the artist's lifestyle mm-hmm. and you know it, it did hit kind of close to home because mm-hmm. i live in the projects and there's new lofts coming you know going up across the street you see bike club you know uh, you see people a guy with a ukulele and a unicycle riding around it's just like uh what the hell's going on here man that's that's an episode for another day <laughs> to talk about the area in which you live because you know i grew up down here too not too far away <laughs> and just you know my aunt lives around the corner from here my grandmother my great-grandmother my uncle and it's just what's going on here is just a complete crime it's crazy <laughs> it's 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 just very daunting to see just the place you grew up with and now all of a sudden it's like new faces and it's just like this just be like a place that you guys wouldn't come like and then they like redid the oldies and it looks kind of like a, a sun fresh inside mm-hmm. now i'm just like where was this <laughs> when 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 we needed when it. We, yes exactly like this could have Yes, I don't know. That's like you said. It's another episode for another day. Yes, uh, definitely. But it is a a very important. How long do you think T.B. Watkins is going to be? There? Uh, I give everything from T.B. Watkins to City Union Mission to the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. I give all that two three years. T.B. Watkins for the, our outside listeners is uh, the quote unquote projects. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's long for the world. No, absolutely. That's that doesn't fit with the goal of this area, the vision of this area, and I say that facetiously. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a very odd area. Oh, I have to do an episode about this area in itself because it's very interesting. That is an episode where we should actually do it like on YouTube or live or something to actually illustrate the point to people. And I definitely want to find before and after pictures of Parade Park. Oh, yeah, I got some. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know that Parade Park. Those are articles I actually pulled up from the Pitch Archive. Um, 
Yeah, and there's there uh, one on this. This actually used to be an insane asylum, okay, or a sanitarium. Mm-hmm. And then there's one about the the building next door, which also is a ghost house. Yeah, I remember. You I want to be that. the black guy in the neighborhood who tells everybody the legends <laughs> <laughs> and be like, "So you know about that 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 uh, so white you mansion? Be, you want to be Burke? <laughs> this uh, neighborhood <laughs> needs a vengeful ghost." <laughs> 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 New to the neighborhood. That part wasn't even in that in the movie. There was a lot of parts in the trailer. Yeah, the, all, in all, all, all. yeah. There. The, oh God. I, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, let's let's go through the bunch. Okay. Of stuff. Uh, well, he meets Burke uh, at the laundromat. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, him and Burke run into each other while he's taking pictures of you know various old buildings in the mm-hmm. area. And Burke lets him know. I, I believe it was when the police car came by and Anthony kind of ducked out the way right. Berg let him know like they never used to come around here but now mm-hmm. they sit on the corner to make sure you know the white people are safe who moved mm-hmm. in uh but yeah and, and then he meets Burke and Burke uh, I didn't catch this the first time but he asked him about Helen Lau mm-hmm. and Burke is like oh one white woman gets killed and all of a sudden it becomes her story right you know I didn't notice that the first time okay. uh, so I, I think I did say you know after we were talking about it like he should have made it about how kind of Helen gentrified the story but and mm-hmm. they did kind of touch on that a bit but yeah he pretty much was like uh it's not Helen Lyle's story like it, it, she came here looking for Candyman she mm-hmm. found him and then you know of course he asked him who's Candyman he tells him the story of Sherman Fields, who got brutally murdered by the police that day, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and you get like there's some sort of guilt associated with it. Since Burke did it, uh, essentially uh, get this guy caught by the police, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it, 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 he tells him the story. Uh, he becomes very fascinated with him. He makes some mediocre art. Uh, <laughs> I was not a fan of that painting he made uh, with the hands and the face and. Oh, you're talking about Anthony? Yeah, he makes this painting and it's just like, that's trash. Mm -hmm. That's a trash-ass painting, bro. Go back to the drawing board on that one. It looked like some shit I do. (laughs) I was just like, this isn't good. Like, you have artists, but like, I don't know. I was just like, that's not good art. But uh, yeah, he makes these arts that kind of just capitalizes. And his his girlfriend kind of tells him, like, we're kind of capitalizing on, you know, the violence aspect. Mm -hmm. It's derivative, I believe she said. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, he, he, he... feels invigorated by it he feels connected to the story i believe he says uh but yeah from there he has the art show yes he has the art show and uh he meets the art critic um at the art show and white lady yeah and she's i would say highly critical of his work very not very unimpressed um i think she had points i think she had some valid points no she had some valid points and that's and i and i did like that about her character, what she was saying, you know, she's like, I've seen this over and over again, you know. Right. She's just like this reeks of, you know, uh, heavy handed uh, imagery. And like, you're just, yeah, like, we've seen it before. Like, this is nothing new. Yeah. It was nothing that excited her. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like when I bullshit on like a, when I was in college and bullshitted on a, on a project. Yeah. And like brought something in and be like, this is, you know, for my ancestors or something like something they really couldn't say no to or i remember i had a speech doing speech class and i was Mm -hmm. just like said something about like black heroes or something Mm -hmm. and they were just like yeah good job uh but yeah that's what it reminded me of like say say the candy man five times in the mirror like that's the art word uh but yeah it's it's that uh and then then all the victims in this movie are like unlikable white people well well uh the victim i i I don't i don't even know what to say 
what some of the victims are not even are tangential to the story like they don't even make sense to yeah, be yeah, killed yeah. and it makes you no sense no connection no conne it, it's like it's like i think it's universal it's like you the head honchos are universal or like i like what you have but we need more killings or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just makes no sense for some of these people to get killed and i don't like that they showed so many of the killings in the trailer um, yeah before we get to that uh so our show goes on uh, the night of that art show he gets into an altercation with i don't know if it was an ex-boyfriend of hers or just some guy who's kind of it's not explained it's yeah, just exactly. it's, it's just an i think another artist oh i said to myself this milk dud head black guy is going to get murdered nope nope <laughs> he never comes well he comes back at a dinner and then they yeah which is strange that's why i said i guess he's another aspiring artist yeah he or is established artist yeah he is an artist uh he had a show in new york that mm -hmm. bougie black lady was talking about right uh but no he uh pretty much gets into it with the uh gallery owner who he calls a vulture uh and the and the black guy who's kind of uh rubbing up on his girl uh and then he kind of stumbles out drunk um, yeah, not a. It just came out of nowhere. Well, the, the the comic relief in this film is just very strange. They should have just left it to Troy. Yeah, you know Troy. I I I, I like Troy, and a, he's a little bit over the top. And he's in, very uh, authentic. But he's very authentic. Now, when when Anthony <laughs> does it, or when uh, I think his name is Clyde, does it inadvertently. Uh, okay. It doesn't hit. Let's get to the. Let's do, it's hard to talk about the film without spoilers. So I'm we're, sure. we're, let me get through, through the broad. Show okay, so okay, get to the okay, okay. So uh, after the art show, there's the first killing, right. and then uh, so pretty much he becomes a, uh, a name in the media. So this person was killed in front of Anthony McCoy's art piece, "Say My Name." So he kind of like, okay, yeah. Now it's kind of get some media, uh, you know, media coverage, uh, and this leads into him. Uh, seeing the Candyman. He starts to see the Candyman mm -hmm. while he's doing research on Helen Lyle at the college. He starts mm -hmm. listening to her audio notes. And then he goes to meet uh, the art critic. And that leads to our, our second killing. Uh, and so pretty much it, it, he gets stung by B. And as we saw in the trailer. and That was that was before he met Burke. Yeah, that was right before he met Burke. But through the course of the movie, you see his uh, the hand, the, the, the bee stings start to deteriorate his hand from his arm you know it's very very uh, almost like necrosis well it's a plot point that goes nowhere absolutely <laughs> um yeah it didn't make him it didn't really do anything uh, it it could have been, i would have I much rather have been like a spiritual like every time he looks in the mirror that's what he sees mm -hmm. as opposed to everybody just like what the fuck is wrong with your face like the, i mean that there's only checked out there's like, only two people that say anything once, once when he gets the bee sting, his girlfriend Brianna says something yeah. about it initially. She doesn't say anything about it when it goes up his arm, the side of his face, or down his chest, or on the whole, um, I believe it's right side of his body. And his mother says something about it only after she's had like a complete like 10, 30 minute conversation with him. Yeah. In the house. She says change the subject. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, by the way, what's going on with your little scabby skin? He's right. emotional on you. It's a plot point that goes nowhere, uh, along with two other flashbacks that go nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much he's deteriorating. There's more murders that happen. Uh, but 
pretty much you get the sense that the cops are going to start coming after mm -hmm. because all the people who are dying were people who attended this art show and the name of the piece is you know being written in blood and stuff why a ghost is writing names of stuff in blood is beyond me because you know Candyman wasn't about graffiti he didn't do the graffiti people did graffiti for him but uh that's neither here nor there uh, but pretty much he goes through this and then we get to the culmination of the movie where um i guess now we can go more into the, the spoilers he pretty much uh, transforms into Candyman. Uh, but let's go back to the uh, if you want to okay those yeah. are the broad strokes pretty much yeah yeah in I, a I, nutshell i mean it's only an hour and a half movie it's not long at all yeah uh so let's let's start uh, with our thoughts on it so okay. uh in 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 our four prong rating scale from terrible to bad to all right to good to excellent i guess five prong uh where would you say that fell uh very mediocre so yeah uh, terrible bad okay good excellent terrible bad okay good excellent it's between bad and okay okay i'm sorry i that's because on a scale of one to ten, I give it a five. Okay. I mean, what about you, bro? I would say it is a. I'd say it's good. You say it's good. I didn't. I did. They did not stick the landing. They have loot. I feel like I. I'm not that harsh because I do know there are chunks missing on the cutting room floor. There have to be. There has uh, to be. Because, like you mentioned, the, uh, there are storylines that go absolutely nowhere. Brianna's father's suicide. Uh, that the, they tried to shoe in mental mental health the, into the, the story. Yeah, the flashback with uh, Burke's, Burke's older sister. Sister that we saw for half a second and had no connection to. Right, and you actually have to Google it to see who the girl yeah, is like because the girl. There, there's no kind of family dynamic established or anything. And it's just a random flashback 15 minutes before the film ends of his sister getting killed by the candy man it's confusing because it's like it was he happy his sister got killed by the candy man what what you didn't even know if it was burke as a child it, i thought that was happening in present day oh like it, it i made, recognized the boy from the uh from the flashback i didn't initially he's the only black kid in the movie. but then i saw it the second time I'm like oh okay that's burke yeah they didn't yeah they didn't do a good job at uh yeah, they didn't. I guess I noticed because I remember in the beginning his sister asked him to put some laundry in for her, and he's like, "No." But and you don't even know that's his sister. Yeah, it's just though. some girl. I assume since she's asking, she's not just some neighborhood kid. And then she's like, "Sherman's gonna get you." And then the next time we see her, she's summoning the Candyman. He's like, "No, you can't come in. This is for grownups." So she's like, "Did he not like his sister?" Because I wouldn't be a fanboy of the specter who killed my family member. Right. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's why it goes nowhere. Then we were also talking about the fact that Brianna's father apparently commits suicide because he's... Portrait artist. Portrait artist sitting outside a windowsill, and he says, I bet you didn't know your daddy could fly. And he jumps out the window, and it leads to absolutely nowhere. There's one instance in which her father's death is brought up again by the brother, Troy. Um, and the bougie black lady. She's yeah. like your father. Commit your father's stories makes you interesting, right? But that was awkward. That whole storyline with them could have been cut out. Like, I don't care about this New York art director trying yeah. to bring Brianna over. Like that doesn't appeal. Like it, it, it didn't go anywhere. This is that's why I said I 
think there's an alternate ending that Sony, I mean not Sony, excuse me, Universal did did not like, and this is the ending that we got. I I don't know. That's just my speculation, and the fact that there is a lot of information in the trailer and dialogue as well that's not present within the film. Yeah. yeah. Um, also had an issue like we kind of discussed the bee sting. Uh, you talked about the necrosis that he was experiencing. Like nobody really paid it any credence. Like it it literally looks like half this man's body is decaying, and he's having normal conversations with people. Like, uh, what's going on with your arm, dude? Well, it's actually weird because it starts to look like a wasp hive. Oh, on the on oh down like his, his neck arm, and his face. Everything. It, yeah. it looks like a wasp hive, and I was like, "They're bees. Why does it look like a wasp hive?" <laughs> I guess honeycomb would look stupid, wouldn't it? Right. But wasp, I was just like, it. it you, it made me mad because it's like wasps live in a specific uh, ecosystem right. for a specific. They don't they don't make wax or honey or mm-hmm. anything. Like they don't like bees have to live. Like, have you ever seen a honey? Like yes. they're perfectly symmetrical. Like. Scientists don't even know how bees were able to figure out like these, uh, these, uh, I forget the, what is it, uh, octagons? I, th- I believe they're octagons or are they hexagons? It might be hexagons, but hexagons. Uh, pretty much they're the perfect shape for uh, holding weight. Like mm-hmm. they can distribute weight perfectly. And they, scientists don't even know how bees are able to. Right. So the geometry is yeah. important and it is pertinent to the story of the shape of, um, and, and the symmetry of what's going on with this man's body, how the necrosis or whatever it is is going on. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't make sense because it's not expounded or expanded upon. It's not a part of the mythos either. Right, right. I, I think maybe you think the director was just like, I think this looks cool, yeah. let's do it, or the costume guy just was like, a, let's just do it. Yeah, I think it was just the artistic choice to be like, oh, let's show his slow transformation via the, the beasting and his deterioration into madness, which just occurred way too quickly. Like, he went from a normal person one day to, uh, let me go and just act weird to this everybody. Is, let me go to this white woman's apartment alone and not tell anybody, and then act like a weirdo over there and then leave so she gets murdered and i look like a suspect this is the most sudden transformation the only other one that i can think of is from anakin skywalker oh, to yeah. the dark side <laughs> this is literally it because it's like we're at one point in the film and then all of a sudden he's just doing crazy stuff and that's why you were talking about in the trailer where he's like having the convulsions there's none of that here so that's an interesting correlation because Mace Windu gets his hand cut off, <laughs> and then he gets like electrocuted and thrown out a window. Is he the Candyman? Mm. That's interesting. Uh, yes, yes, the Jedi Candyman. Jedi Candyman, mm. motherfucker! <laughs> I told you he was evil, motherfucker. Uh, a lightsaber for us. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, uh, Clyde and Jerrica. I mean, you. Jerrica, you're oh the art director. Yeah, um, you're. I think her name is Jerrica, his girlfriend. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You meet her. You you don't even meet her initially. You see the top of her head mm-hmm. in a in a shot of them walking out the door with Clyde and Troy and Brianna. Right. That's your first introduction to her. No no dialogue, nothing. And then you see her at a the art gallery, and she's in a relationship. She's with, talking. I'm yeah. like, who is this girl? Yeah. I'm like, who are you? That's why I say, and you say. 
there has to be many scenes cut out of this film because it's only an hour and a half. I would assume a film... 30, at least 30 more minutes. 30 more minutes. Nothing long, nothing like It. Nothing super long. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that was over two hours. Definitely It Chapter 2, I think, was way over two hours. Uh, No, I think this film could have done well with an additional 20 to 30 minutes of extra just... I don't know. No, you're right. Um, I, I would say just extra footage or just more story. Um, it felt very light. I'm not. I'm not going to criticize the acting in this film. The acting was all good. I think there were just a couple of moments, like in terms of comic relief, like where uh, uh, Yaya uh, leaving or. Anthony, his name, the actor, Abdul-Mateen the second. Great actor, because I really did enjoy him in uh, Aquaman. Also in Handmaid's Tale as well, uh, briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, like, he, he has a comic moment, and then Clyde channels his inner Jeff Goldblum when he's about to be killed by uh, Sherman, the Candyman, says, must move faster, must, must move, move faster. Is that something that somebody says when they're really about to be killed? By a ghost? Right. Um, Not, oh my God, what's going on? Right. Jesus Christ, help me. He said, is this real? Is this real? <laughs> Wait, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? Am I getting punked? Right. No, he, uh, that was probably the one time... Where it was kind of scary because it was like I love the I love how they use the mirrors, right. but they didn't show enough. Like I was telling you, uh, after we saw it, like uh, we, it, it just it wasn't a payoff. Like if you're not going to show anything, mm-hmm. that's cool. But we need a blow off. Like mm-hmm. we need a, a climax at the end where it's just like a bloodbath. And that little scene with him killing three cops, those bullshit. Like I feel like all the other murders were like super gruesome. And that's one thing I hate this, you know, the first movie did so well. Like him, Candyman killing someone was almost like kind of a sexual thing. Like he was like grunting, like, <clears throat> you know, you heard him like inserting that hook mm-hmm. into somebody's back, which is always weird because he you know, stuck a hook in your back. Like it's not mm-hmm. a jagged weapon. Like. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, it, it's just, I would have liked to either see more. Like I get it. You weren't trying to be as gory. Right. And I, I'm so, fine with that choice but the killings were stupid it looks like they were go- like like the uh, they didn't sh- like the fact that they cut away from you know the scene before the art curator gets killed mm-hmm. and then you just see brianna finding the bodies yeah. i always assume we were going to do a backtrack and see him like like viciously murder right. him or i thought because they didn't show any of the murders we were going to see a flashback mm-hmm. and see the actual murderer was like him like mm-hmm. Anthony, like Burke. he was the one murderer. Or Burke. Or Burke. Yeah. Like I told you, that would have been an even better twist if like, Burke was actually carrying out these murders to put the blame on Anthony so he can get killed to create the a candy. Like, like candy. yeah, like further the legend. Or the Candyman legend went dormant after Helen uh, took over mm-hmm. because she's not a hood legend. Like the only one calling her name is fucking Trevor at the end of the last mm-hmm. movie. Like. After that, it could have been like the legend was dead. Like a white woman took over the legend and it died. Right. And you had said something interesting. Uh, why are we seeing Sherman as a Candyman um, repeatedly? If there are different Candyman, shouldn't we see different Candyman throughout the film? 
And then on top of that, if people haven't met Sherman, how do we know? Yeah, how do yeah. we know he's the specific one instead of Daniel Robotai? Yeah, that I mean that would have made more sense. And I told you, I think would have been an excellent opportunity to introduce uh, Tony Todd in the film is where he's at uh, the art critic's house and he walks up to the mirror and he sees Tony Todd, you know, de-aged or whatever, doing his movements in the mirror. I thought that would have been a cool opportunity. And then him kind of take over from there or whatever. Because, I mean, it, it's interesting because even when you go to the actor's page, not actor's page, but the actor's uh, listing on Wikipedia, you can't even find a link to the guy who played Candyman in this film. Um, so I don't even know what else he's been in. Yeah, I don't think I mean, he's been in anything. I don't, yeah, uh, he. I mean, he has no speaking lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, and I even thought of it even, uh, I went a little further. Like, it would have been cool if each murder would have featured a different Candyman based off of like this, the situation of the death. Like, mm-hmm. that's how we determine which one pops up. Like, Helen Lau saw him because she's a white woman. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Robitaille died because he was fucking with a white woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let's say the girls in the high school got killed by the boy who got killed because the little white girl uh, accused him of assaulting her. Like, mm-hmm. if they followed those kind of rules, I'd be better with them. And then the fact they showed the different iterations of the Candyman in the back window, but didn't really show us them at all so it's like why do i care because i don't know these faces mm-hmm. you know i looked at the shadow puppet thing that they showed at the end of the movie from the first trailer pretty much and it's just mm-hmm. like in, unless you paid attention you wouldn't know what this all meant like unless you you know burke makes throwaway gives throwaway lines like oh such and such and the housing riots uh, died in the housing riots and such and such got lynched in the 1920s and it's just like those are just throwaway lines, but they come back to play a bigger part at the end, but we didn't really go over them. But I did think of one interesting facet of mm-hmm. the, uh, I kind of, I don't know if it explained my own self, but one reason they probably could have said that the interpretation was different uh, is because Helen was told the story of Candyman from the Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purcell, per, per, Purcell, I believe his name was, Professor per, Purcell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the white guy who looks like Benjamin Franklin, that's who she gets her information from. Mm-hmm. He's an academic. He has the means to do research to go back. Mm-hmm. And so he pretty much was able to look up the original story. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anthony learns it from a resident mm-hmm. who's lived there. So right. he learned the story pretty much the oral tradition mm-hmm. as opposed to the academic tradition, mm-hmm. uh, which is it's kind of indicative to kind of us as people. Like We know our family history through what we were told from my mother and right. she was told from her mother as opposed to someone in academia who's able to go back and, and do research that would you know we don't have the means to do right. so that's a possible interpretation as to why wow, there's a different candy man but that still doesn't take into the effect these other entities or vessels right. so to speak and also have an issue with the way they turn anthony into the candy man burke was my favorite character mm-hmm. of this movie like he had the most agency he had uh, the best line delivery. Like he had, the, he, he just made sense in the movie until the end. Well, he just goes crazy. <laughs> now we have a witness. I'm like a witness for what exactly? And yeah. Uh, why are we just in this church? And he's all like, "I was baptized here." I okay. Was baptized here. Okay. So, it's beautiful, isn't it? So what? 
And then he pulls out two suckers. Oh my god, that was the part that killed me. Now it's time for the consecration. Mm, what was he going to do? Put it in Anthony's mouth? I don't know. It was just very... What's the matter? You don't want a sweet? That was actually kind of creepy when he yelled that. Uh, but yeah, I just feel like he went off the rails way too quickly to be this like calm, super like there was no hint of... Unsuspecting. Yeah, just like, uh, nope, I'm crazy. Ha ha ha. Right. Uh, uh, I did like the line he gave where he was like, this community stained like there's a stain like there's something yeah. there had there's something that happens to a fabric when it's stained like a, uh let's just say uh, i don't know but it was very profound yeah actually. pretty much like the fabric ain't the same after it's stained uh, right. there's a uh, it's deep within the fabric yeah there's a uh, it won't come out so. yeah a loosening of the fabric it, it gets deeper even no matter how I mean, no matter how many times you wash it mm-hmm. uh the fabric just feels different and the, you know the, the neighborhood got caught in a loop and there's too much blood staying on here for y'all just to move in here and just be like nothing happened like mm-hmm. there's blood on the leaves like you can't just say this didn't happen i love that monologue but everything else was just like what and then he cuts off uh anthony's hand with his handy dandy bone saw yeah just keep uh, this around and in he my had, box had his hook that he just telling lyle's photos in there right but no, it's just like, uh, and then there's another patch where they don't explain anything. Uh, where Anthony's just in a catatonic state, and you hear whispering when they when they go to Anthony. And I think in this scene, because there's a scene that's left out of a trailer where it's in the church and it says "Sweets to the Sweet" at the top, mm-hmm. and then you in the far right corner, if you pause it, you can see what looks like a white woman in a white dress, mm-hmm. and it looks like she has something around her head. Mm-hmm. If you pay, if you knew at the end of Candyman, Helen was buried in a white dress with a wreath of flowers around her head because her hair was gone, mm-hmm. and that was Helen. I believe that was the actress they cast to play Helen. Oh, okay. And I believe the whispers he was hearing in that catatonic state was like the vessels mm-hmm. of the Candyman speaking to him. But I feel like Helen was. That's why I was saying like well, Helen should have been like a guardian angel to her, like to guide him because she saved him as a baby. That's why I felt like she was probably like off to the side because she didn't want him to become this vengeful spirit of hate. Word. Uh, but once again, I believe that was cut out. He was just sitting there, like I'm just gonna sit here and let you cut off my hand because I'm in a catatonic state for no reason. They didn't explain anything, but yeah, and they they didn't explain what they should have explained and they over explained what they shouldn't have explained like they kept driving in that oh white people are this or this with gentrification and stuff like that uh, and i just feel like a sign should have popped up on the screen and said, gentrification is bad it's kind of uh th- how i <laughs> how i thought about it is uh don't be a menace to south central while, while drinking your yeah. juice in the hood when keenan ivory wanes his character always says message message Message. every time there's an actual message that goes on like if you know you're talking about gentrification racism or whatever in a subtle way no 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 you need to make sure everybody knows what you're talking about so he instantly says message to bring the point home that's what this film does message 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 over and over and over again and it's so heavy-handed and it and it's at times it gets cringeworthy very cringeworthy almost offensive i was yeah. offended for the white people <laughs> we were in the theater with there was a white girl as we were leaving and she whispered to her boyfriend did you notice that the only people to get murdered were white people well the sister got murdered oh yeah well the only character 
okay. who we know her name. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's it's um, yeah. It, it was just a very weird choice to make Candyman this anti-hero, spirit of vengeance, like Ghost Rider or something. Well, he became a superhero at the end of the film, which was strange. I didn't like that. Yeah, I, he they show him floating in the movie, and then they you know in the first Candyman he floats, mm-hmm. he can fly. Uh, but this one at the end it just looked weird, like kind of like Iron Man with his repulsors. Like yeah, um, I had an issue with some of the cgi i mean it was the bees just looked fake yeah. fake excuse me i said fake but they look fake um they were and i, I mean i was like no 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 you're not paying me ten thousand dollars per bee sting <laughs> so like tony that. todd this beautiful face he's like i've got to shoot aquaman too exactly, yeah. <laughs> i am the next denzel <laughs> yes he's like i'm a handsome man you're not gonna be doing that to me beautiful black man yeah um but then at the end you you know he get um anthony gives his monologue or whatever uh as he's rounding the police car where brianna's trapped in uh the same monologue that uh tony todd gave when he was following helen lyle to her car or something in the parking garage in the first film um and then at the end he kills a police officer and then it's tony todd well, that's, that's what I don't like about, it. especially that last scene, because he does quote uh, a line along the lines from the first one. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm here to shed innocent blood, mm-hmm. uh, but you are not innocent. Mm-hmm. But in the first movie, it was just I'm here to shed innocent blood to prolong my uh, legacy. Like mm-hmm. they will speak of my name because right. of the horrible things. Like that's what I love about the first one. Candyman didn't want to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. The good guy died. Y'all killed him. Mm-hmm. Now y'all got to deal with the monster. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that's the story of Candy. That was the story of Candyman. Like America created the monster of racism, right. and now you have to deal with it, mm-hmm. black and white. And that's why Candyman was an indiscriminate killer, essentially. Um, and it, it, it was—I don't know—I feel like the the first one it was able to incorporate hood art, like graffiti, uh, as a tribute to Candyman. And this one is just kind of bastardized, like. It was just too bougie. I feel like it was this movie was hijacked by bougie black people. Well, that's a lot. if you scroll down YouTube and your algorithm kicks in, it's going to say a lot of stuff about, you know, this is a movie for bougie black people. I mean, art is very nuanced. So I did like some of the art in the film, but at the same time, I thought it went a little bit over. <laughs> I understand that the two main protagonists, Two main characters, basically, Anthony and Brianna, are established well-to-do artists, but the message gets so muddled. Like, when I'm talking about Troy's boyfriend said, oh, like, like here, you know, when he's talking about gentrification and how you pretend that the past is not here and everything, that is just completely abandoned, so it doesn't hit like it should yeah. throughout the film. So... I mean, that's just my perspective. Absolutely. And I feel like uh, three characters we spent enough time on to get some sort of attachment if they were to die was Troy, his boyfriend, and the milk dude even got more character development than <laughs> the the girls in the bathroom. I, that that came the, out of nowhere. Yeah. It was just like, why do we need... I guess this is just your big... This, that was just a, the trailer scene, I guess. Like, this is what's going to get people in, you know, seeing a bathroom full of girls. And I feel... Uh, something that really bothered me was the... the the black girl in the stall 
it was just so random like oh you know they're gonna pick on her before they leave like oh she's so trash i was like was that nia da costa in high school like was this some sort of but they made a mistake because she was in the second stall and then when they looked under the second oh. stall her feet weren't there so i don't know what went on i don't know if something got lost in recuts or I, th that's just too big of a mistake i'm like Okay, she's in the stall. The girl looks under the stall to see what's going on, and she doesn't see. Right, her head should be popping under the stall. Right, and the black girl like, what the fuck are you doing? Right, so, and you hear blood spilling, and then the other girl's like, this is stupid. I'm gonna walk over there and see what's going on. Right, and yeah, it just uh, didn't make a lot of sense. I, I, I don't know. It was. It, it was. It wasn't as well executed as uh get out it tried to be symbolic like us but it kind of just dropped the ball i i enjoyed the first 30 minutes of this film the first act i enjoyed the second act was okay and then by the third act i was just confused um like i said i just think that the, the, the this would be a movie where i would be interested in seeing a director's cut you and I often talk about, oh, what would you like to see a longer version of which movie? And we said, oh, Dark Knight Rises, uh, uh, Gangs of New York. I would like to see an extended cut of this film just to see what the original vision of Nia DaCosta was. Now, if this is the original vision. Huh? And Jordan Peele. And Jordan Peele. Because yeah. I know Jordan Peele's a good writer. So right. the, the, the gaps in the mm -hmm. plot holes. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, I don't want to, I know he's not a uh, lazy writer. No, he's not. And I know Nia DaCosta, she's a talented young lady. So I know she, yeah. you know, especially on one of her first major outings as a director, she wouldn't just be like, all right, let's just shoot him at the end. Oh, and we do want to give props to uh, Miss DaCosta oh, yeah. because. Uh, first black female. With a number one film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, highest grossing black uh, female director all time especially in these days of a pandemic i think that's excellent it's amazing i mean i, I feel like this was a lot of people's first movie experience mm -hmm. that it was my first movie experience that to a theater right uh, since covid uh but yeah it, it, it i'm sure i'm glad it did well uh but it, it also it got people out to the theaters but i feel like it's so i almost feel like it's, it's the donda album like it's mm -hmm. so split Mm -hmm. in terms of like i tell i was telling you i made a status earlier and three people commented it one mm -hmm. was like i liked it one was like it was all right and the other one was like i didn't like it so it was just like you know people are split down the middle on this like people have mixed emotions just like we do like right uh it it, it, it has its flaws but it also has strengths and yeah i definitely. feel like it could be fixed you know uh with those with those additional pieces absolutely uh, not a horrible film by any means but it is in my opinion mediocre just okay yeah i'd say it's a b minus film um i have to go lower than that i know you would say it's a c yeah i would say it's like a c middle of all five so i would say it's a 6.5 to mm. 7 mm. but that's also indicative because i know that piece is missing i know this is uh studio interference i don't know why they wouldn't just be like let's make this 30 minutes longer you know, it's filling some of these uh, gaps. I think they were, if if I had to guess, and this is just not even conspiracy theory, but just kind of just thinking in terms of the studio wanting to make money. We need to get butts in the seat 
it's a pandemic. This movie's going to be an hour and a half long. It's an hour and a half long movie. You know how many times we can show this movie per day as opposed to two hours, two hours and 15 minutes? I think this would be best for this particular film. That's smart because it's not a lot of movies out. It's uh, you can put in three three different theaters. Yep. And several times a day. You're right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just... Uh, Do you think there's going to be a sequel? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. I think if we look at it from a profitability standpoint, then yes, because it's already made its budget back. The film was only $25 million to create. Uh, I'm not sure how much they spent on marketing, but let's say an additional $15 million or something like that. It's going to make that back. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So I think the studio will look at it as, okay, well, um, you know what? It's not the $100 million movie that we wanted, but look what it did during the pandemic. Right. And uh, I think there will be some excitement for an, another film. I just don't see it. Yaya, Yaya, he is not Candyman. I'm just, I'm just going to be he honest. He looks like too nice of a guy. Yeah, he, he, he does. I mean, he looks like somebody you would go to grad school with or something. That's what I liked about his character, kind of, because he like reminded me of people I knew. Mm -hmm. But at the same instance, I knew I wouldn't be afraid of them with you know, that persona. But yeah, they're going to have to do something with the character besides those CGI bees to make it frightening. Uh, I think they should have just made this a reboot. Mm -hmm. And just started fresh, and it's like, show me the a candy man, right? You know, not even worried about these different vessels, and just told the story of me. Mm -hmm. Not worried about Helen because she didn't really play that big of a part in this. Not worried about Anthony being the baby because that really didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like it just could have been a story about a guy who got obsessed with a legend, right? And that's why I think the first one worked because it's a psychological thriller where it's kind of like you spend the first half wondering like is this bitch crazy like is she killing these people uh but yeah it, it just it, it lacks the complexity of the first one mm -hmm. and yeah it just doesn't have that uh, easy easy you know it made it seem so easy like it's the story just travels so so you know it's a slow burn but once it hits to the supernatural shit it's like a train ride like mm -hmm. it's and, and that's another thing I didn't like. Uh, this is probably my last time. But this uh, about the cops. Right. Like in the Candyman, like they made a great point of showing you the shift from Helen Lau. You're a hero for going down there and standing up to these thugs. And you helped us put this guy in jail. We think of the Candyman who's been killing these people. And then when they feel like she's the, the guy, person who kidnapped baby Anthony, mm -hmm. they treat her like shit. Like they, you know, you know, pretty much treat her like a black person in a right. lockup. Like uh and then you know in the even in the subsequent sequels which most people hate they do a good job at showing the police the steadily gradual build of the police like okay we got a murder mm -hmm. okay that's kind of odd this is around you oh there's another murder having to do with you you're a suspect as opposed to the cops not even showing up like not even being an issue mm -hmm. until the last five minutes and it's just like, oh yeah the cops are bad guys <laughs> right the cops are the villains of this story it's like uh I, I don't and i don't like that lazy ass death of anthony where he's just laying down and shooting like that is an opportunity where that we've had plenty of, of situations with black men who have been shot and killed because of cops who feel like they had a weapon in their hand this motherfucker had a hook 
stuck in his arm. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me you couldn't figure out a scenario where he unjustly got shot and killed? That's why I said I think there are reshoots. If you look at that particular scene, it's, it, it doesn't... Disjointed, like... It's, it doesn't... A shadow of a cop. Yeah, and it just looks like they literally set her down in front of a wall of graffiti. It was like, we're going to reshoot this whole scene or whatever. Because it just... It just looked aesthetically different from everything else. It just looks so bland and close up. Like they didn't want you to see everything she else. did it in the church. Yeah. This, this, it, 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 it's like a baptism almost. Like he's being reborn in church. Like that shit just rewrote the scene. So hold up. I just thought about something. Okay. So Bert calls in the tip, mm-hmm. right? The cops go to Capriti Green. Why wouldn't they come to the church? Because she escapes from the church to Caprini Right, Green. right. She's in an abandoned house, uh, apartment. Right. And she's like, he's anywhere in here. And right. Like, the simple rewrite. Anthony walks in after she kills Burke. Mm-hmm. She stabs Burke to death with a pin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony has had a hook shoved in his arm. And we don't know if he's there or not. Like, right. You know. And at that point, you know, when he's reaching out to her. That should have been when the cops came in. They saw a dead body on the floor. Mm-hmm. They saw a woman with a man with a hook coming at her mm-hmm. and shoot and killed him. Because right. that was Burke's plan. Like he was supposed to be a martyr. Right. And then that's also confusing because at the end of the movie, she's like, I guess Burke's right. Like maybe we need to summon, maybe we do need a candy man. Right. And it's just like, okay, so you pretty much uh you pretty much made sure you're, the man you love is going to live his afterlife as a ghost. <laughs> like, you pretty much damned him to a, a terrible existence. Right. So, what? You can have a, a easy way out? <laughs> and it, it doesn't make any sense, like, what happens after that. Like, she sees him get killed. And I, like I told you, she should have got blamed for the murders. Like, hell right. not blamed. Like, it's just so many different directions they could have went that you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So of course we can look back and be like, we they should have done X Y Z. But I felt like it could have been better. I, I was I, I made a better movie in my head when I was planning for it this past year. But you know, I, I really hope they do release a director's cut. I do as well, brother. Yeah, but that is all I have. Any additional thoughts? No, sir. That's where we're gonna leave it. Uh, yeah, uh, we would love to hear what your thoughts on the Candyman uh, sequel, 2021 sequel is. Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? Did you just think it was meh? Uh, let us know. Uh, Urban Alchemy Podcast at gmail.com or you can contact the Facebook fan page. Uh, please make sure you have liked our Facebook fan page. And if you want to stay up to date with things that people are doing here in our community, be sure to like and join our Facebook community uh, group, Urban Alchemy Support Group on Facebook. But yeah, uh, that's all we have. It's it's going to be a great year, too. I think next uh, next week we're going to do Suicide Squad. Uh, the James Gunn Suicide Squad. So, great film. Yeah, so uh, we are doing another film that is a soft reboot. Uh, of a of a of another thing that was made. Uh, we're also going to do Halloween when that comes. Out. Halloween kills. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's all we have for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us here in 
on Urban Alchemy Podcast. Once again, I am your host, J.M. Banks. And I'm Eric Hawthorne. Yeah, so we will catch you later. Uh, as always, keep creating, Casey. You all stay safe and stay blessed.